A Focus Summary of Act 1, Part 2 of A Doll's House The macaroon safely tucked away in her pocket, Nora introduces Torvald to Mrs. Lind. Unlike Rank, who said he had often heard her name mentioned in their house, Torvald seems never to have heard of her. Nora uses all her fawning, flirtatious, feminine wiles to persuade Torvald to give Christine some position at the bank. Torvald says she has appeared at a fortunate moment, and that he may be able to find something for her. Mrs. Lynde thanks him and excuses herself, and as she and Dr. Rank depart, the Helmer children come in with their nurse. Nora interacts with her children like a child with her playthings. She admires their rosy cheeks, bounces the baby on her knee, romps around with them in a game of hide-and-seek, and calls them her dolly children. As she is carefreely crawling under a table, she is startled by the appearance of Krogstad. When he says he would like a word with her, she sends the children into the nurse, reassuring them that the strange man won't do her any harm. Frightened as she is, Nora also feels a confidence that she will soon be free of Krogstad's clutches, because Torvald's promotion means both that he will be Krogstad's superior and that she will be more easily able to repay the loan but Krogstad is not there to collect on the debt. He is there to blackmail Nora into helping him keep his job. We learn that Krogstad is a man of compromised reputation, who depends upon this job as a way to rebuild a life for him and his children. But when Torvald hired Christine, he made a plan to fire Krogstad, because, Krogstad assumes, Christine, who knows of his indiscretion, does not wish to work in close quarters with a man like him. Krogstad therefore prevails upon Nora to use her influence with her husband and get him reinstated at the bank. If she refuses, he will tell her husband the truth about her debt. Nora is at first distressed by this threat, but not for the reason that Krogstad, or we, might think. She doesn't fear her husband's disapproval, or any legal consequences. She is proud of what she has done, and she wants Torvald to learn of it from her own lips. It would be disagreeable for him to learn the truth like this, but he would stand by her side, pay off the debt, and be done with Krogstad forever. Hearing her describe the threatened scenario as only disagreeable, Krogstad realizes that Nora does not grasp the severity of her crime. He corners her into confessing that she not only borrowed money without her husband's consent, but, in the process, forged her father's signature as a guarantor on the loan. Far from only disagreeable, this false step is one that can destroy a man's life, something Krogstad knows well, because, as it turns out, it is the very one that destroyed his. If what she did is a crime in the eyes of the law— Nora is convinced that her motives exonerate her. She took a loan to spare her sick husband's stress that might cost him his life. She forged a signature to spare her sick father agony at the end of his. Krogstad assures her that the law cares nothing about motives. Before taking his leave from her, Krogstad renews his threat to Nora that if he loses his position, she will lose hers. When Krogstad goes out, the children come back in, eager to resume their play. But under Krogstad's cruel ultimatum, Nora can no longer feel so carefree. 
she sends them away and tries to occupy herself with trivial tasks to distract from the anxiety that has overcome her. Helmer comes home, and having seen Krogstad go out, he asks whether anyone has been there. When Nora lies to him, he feels sure he knows why, and he wags his finger at her for capitulating to Krogstad's pleas that she put in a word on his behalf. He chides her for making promises to a man like that, and for telling him a lie in the bargain. Barred from directly asking him this favor, she decides instead to delay the inevitable by pleading helplessness and begging Torvald to put aside his work and help her prepare for the fancy dress ball. Then she questions Torvald about whether the thing Krogstad was guilty of was really something very bad, trying surreptitiously to determine how he might judge her. To her horror, he says that a man like that might be forgiven only if he confesses and takes his punishment, that those who lie and play the hypocrite poison their children and fill their house with the germs of evil, and that almost everyone who has gone wrong has had a deceitful parent. When he asks her, therefore, never again to plead Krogstad's cause and tries to take her hand, she withdraws it as if she might poison him, and she makes excuses about having so much to do. He says that he too has papers to put in order before dinner, and he pats her on the head, calling her his precious little songbird. After he leaves, she paces the room in agitation. When the nurse comes in to say the children wish to see her, she cries out that they mustn't be allowed to come in to her. Left alone and pale with terror, she tosses her head and tells herself that it can't possibly be true.' 